Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Ezekiel 18. Dr. Morocco was here just uh, last week, and what an amazing time we had. The messages are available. We had all kinds of technological problems, which goes to figure whenever you're confronting the, the powers of darkness. You know, you, you many times the devil will be nervous, and it's amazing how technology seems to blow up. Jesus didn't have a microphone or a sound system because his voice is the sound of many waters and he didn't need one. But we are using the World Wide Web to, to reach people and so Facebook crashed and burned and all kinds of issues, but it is up on YouTube and uh, you can go ahead and get that. It is about defilement and how to overcome defilement. It's a message that needs to be preached all across America. There was a book that was written, and we had church up in this place. What do you mean by that? I mean God came, touched people, freed them. They left free, clean, healed, filled, on fire. We had amazing time Sunday morning. Sunday night was also very rich about being the sensitive person. And I don't mean so sensitive like onion skin where you're getting offended if somebody looks at you the wrong way. I mean like sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to God's leading. And it was a great, great word as well. And we had our increased banquet, which was very moving. It was the most powerful increased banquet I have ever been to in all the 25 or so years that I've been a part of this church. And um, was just amazing. Something that keeps ringing in my ear is that God loves a cheerful giver. I, I probably should have used that in the offering, but, but I'm just remembering it now. What, does anybody know that text of Scripture? It, it comes out of Corinthians, and God loves a cheerful giver. I, I never saw it the way that I see it now. So the cheerful giver, the person that cheerfully, joyfully wants to, wants to give, God takes that person and says, man, I, I love a cheerful gift. There's like a unique favor and a blessing that comes on the one that'll say, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my everything for you. You can't ever outgive God. And it's really supernatural what God will do for those who cheerfully give and learn the principle of seed time and harvest and make him Lord of it all. Can you say amen? But he made reference to Ezekiel 18 and how uh, it impacted him and uh, and how he preached this message. And then I, through the grapevine of the hungry, does anybody know what that means? That means when, when somebody hears a message that just changes your life, you know, you, you text somebody, dude, did you hear the recent message from so-and-so or this person or that? So I heard from different people, ooh, Ezekiel 18, did you hear that message from doctor? I'm like, no. So he then mentioned it. And then I went to Maui and I, I heard other people talk about it. I said, that's it. I'm going to get after it. So I grabbed a hold of a copy of his notes and I went through this text with his, uh, with his notes and began to be so moved that I, I couldn't stay in my seat. I, I, I couldn't stay in my seat many times at the end part of the message. I'm in my little camper and I would just stand up and go, man! Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, if the word doesn't move you like that, then, then you ought to ask him that illuminate your heart and touch you and speak to you in such a way that it stirs you. His word is like a fire that burns the rock to pieces and most people don't have an encounter with the listen. God is his word. 
And his word, when it goes in, it doesn't return void. And it'll stir in you the most holy of emotions. And like a wheel within a wheel as I've studied this passage, oh God, I pray that you'd help me communicate what you said to me through doctor and then aside, especially unto this beautiful body of people and all those that'll hear at a later date. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would take your very, your very finger and write on the fleshly tablets of our heart. We are not here to fulfill some lame duck religious experience. We're not here to ease our conscience. We are here to hear from heaven, to love you, to love each other, to minister to you, and to receive from you truth of the kingdom of God that would bring an effect and transformation even in our lives. When we leave this place, when we leave, we would be different. And everyone we come in contact with would be different. Ezekiel 18. Let me tell you the point of all preaching. All preaching. All preaching and teaching should transform you. If preaching and teaching doesn't transform you, it just serves you to be a religious person who's learned some intellectual understanding about something that doesn't affect change. The Word of God, when it's preached and when it's taught under an anointing, when it's living and active as God's intended it, you know, His Word is living and active even if it is coming from someone who's dead and full of sin. Right? We were talking and teaching pastors about preaching. The point is, good job Sunday, by the way. The point is that it brings transformation. So that's my prayer for you. Let's read 175 verses of Scripture. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, here we go. You ready? Ezekiel 18, I'll stand for all of us. The word of the Lord came to me, verse 1, saying, What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul, of, the soul who sins shall die. Say that. The soul who sins shall die. But if a man is just or righteous and does what is lawful and right, if he is not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, nor approached a woman during her impurity, if he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry, and covered the naked with clothing, if he has not exacted usury, nor taken any increase, but has withdrawn his hand from iniquity and executed true judgment between man and man, if he has walked in my statutes and kept my judgments faithfully, he is just, or he is righteous, he shall surely live. He shall what? He shall surely live, says the Lord God. Verse 10. If he begets a son who's a robber, or a shedder of blood who does any of these things and does none of the duties but has eaten on the mountains or defiled his neighbor's wife as he has oppressed the poor and the needy, robbed by violence, nor restored the pledge, lifted up his eyes to the idols, nor committed abomination. If he has exacted usury or taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. 
If he has done any of these abominations, he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. If, however, he begets a son. So this is the grandson now. You, are you tracking? He who sees all the sins of his father has done and considers does not do likewise, who has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, nor oppressed anyone, nor withheld a pledge, nor robbed by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and clothed the naked with clothing, who has just drawn his hand, who has withdrawn his hand from the poor, not received any usury for increase, but has executed my judgments, walked in my statutes. He shall not die for the iniquity of his father, but shall surely live. Come on, someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse 18. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, robbed his brother by violence, and did what is not good among the people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity. Verse 19. Are you all all right? It's important that we go through the whole thing. But you say, why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? Because the son has done what is lawful and right and has kept all of my statutes and observed them, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. Say that, verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Verse 21. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all of my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live and not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done. He shall live. Verse 23. Do I have any pleasure in all of the wicked should die? That all the wicked should die? The answer is no. That might be a revelation to you, says the Lord God. And not that he should turn from his ways and live, verse 24, but when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does all according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unrighteousness which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed. Because of them he shall die. You're like, man, pastor, you're freaking me out. You're like, thank God, it's the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Yet I say to you, verse 25, the way of the Lord is not unfair. Here now, O house of Israel, is not my way which is fair, and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his transgressions, commits iniquity, and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity of which he has done that he dies. Verse 27 again. When a wicked man turns away from the wickedness of which he has committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive. Because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he has committed, he shall surely live and not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, it's not my ways which are fair and your ways which are unfair. Therefore, I will judge you, house of Israel, 
Everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent. Everybody say repent. Repent and turn from your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all of the transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, return and live. Oh God, help me. Anoint these lips of clay. Ignite all our hearts through this text and through the preaching and teaching. Let your Holy Spirit come. Come on, if you have the freedom to pray in your heavenly language, come on, pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We do have notes for you. Amen. We do have notes for you. Go ahead and take those. You fill those in. I love to witness. It's good to have John and Anna Duke back from their evangelism uh, training and tours in Oregon and down in Florida. Welcome home, guys. We, we love you. Excited about what God's doing through in the new ministry that you've birthed. Proud of you. John and Anna, they love to witness. I love to witness. Anybody else love to witness? I love to get souls saved. I don't always feel led, but I often have to get the lead out. Because when you have a revelation of what the truth is and you're just going to share, I heard one preacher say that if you don't share your faith, you probably have the devil on you. Don't get offended. I didn't, I didn't say that. If you're offended, I think it was Ivan Tate, so you can email his ministry and see how much he cares about that. One of the questions that you'll get from especially intellectuals, and we're writing the notes now, is uh, if God is good and all-powerful, why is there evil and suffering in the world? That's a common question. Anybody ever heard that before? Oh, yeah, God's good. If God's good, why are there starving people in India and in Ethiopia? And, and uh, I heard one preacher say this also. I don't remember his name, so we won't be able to text or email him your offense. But he said this. He said, oh, God could just remove all evil. He just has to kill every one of us, and there would be no problems right after that. Now, evil. God didn't make us robots. All you need is? Ah, love's a big thing. Amen? God is love, right? Love's a lot of talk about love in the world. It somehow gets mixed with tolerance, mixed up and made something that's not love. But you can't have love in a vacuum. God could have made us robots. He could have just twisted and wound us up. And then, you know, how crazy would it be that if you were lonely, you would go out and get yourself a little, you know, a little doll that you could wind up that would tell you how much it loved you every day. That'd be insane. No, we're made in God's image and we have the freedom to choose. Without choice, you don't have real love. And God in the Garden of Eden placed mankind in that garden with what theologians call the glory of man. The glory of man is the ability to choose. God could have made man just to choose and could have made us as robots. We just just serve him. But there was a choice. Don't, don't, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve, they failed. In actual fact, Eve failed, but Adam made her an idol and go ahead and said, well, I can't lose her, so I'm not going to, I just got to go with her. I'm going to eat too because she's, she's better than, oh, man, bone of my bone now, flesh. Woo! Woo! Flesh of my flesh! 
So he's like, you're, you, you, ate the, you, ate, you ate from the tree. You're dead. I, I can't be without you. So he goes ahead and eats too. Instead of really, I think God would have fixed it. I don't know. He said, well, theologically, that, okay, you, you, get a, you understand what I'm saying. Choice. Everybody say choice. Tonight's message is called Choose Life. We have a choice. And God wants us to choose life. To choose life. That serpent of old understood that when he deceived man, twisting God's word, I mean, he says things like, the Lord knows that when you eat of the tree that you'll be like him. They're already like him. Twisted the word, twisted things up. And he went, she went and ate, and then he went and partook, and in dying, they truly died. The devil knew that if, if he could get mankind to choose to disobey, obey him rather than God, that there would be trouble. And in doing that, he got the title deed to the earth. And that's why in Luke, uh, you see Jesus is brought out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. And the devil says, all of these kingdoms have been given to me and I give them to whoever I want, bow down and worship me. All of these kingdoms. I thought, you know, the devil is a liar. When he's lying, he speaks his native language. But when it says all of these kingdoms will be given to me, he's not lying because they were given to him through mankind. Wow. Choice. Choice. Right and wrong. Right and, and wrong. Let's look at this text. Ezekiel, and we've preached a number of messages out of this, but shooting all the way to chapter 18, outline and originally preached by Dr. Morocco with my own twist. I was telling somebody, they were, they were asking me, so Tell me about preparing your messages. I said, I milk a lot of cows and make my own butter. And they're like, what's that mean? I'm like, never mind. <laughs> All the farm boys understood. How many understand what that means? All five of you, hallelujah. Ezekiel's preaching to the Jews who were captured by the Babylonians and they're in exile. That's the context, the historical context of what's taking place. They're in, they're in captivity. And uh, even though Crazy Jerry, and I call him Crazy Jerry, they, they thought he was crazy, like a burning, like fire shut up in his bones. He preached and told them, Babylon's coming, man. Y'all ought to repent. He sent so many to get them to repent, but they would not. They sinned, and eventually judgment came, and Babylon, they carried them off. And so here they are in exile, and he is there amongst them, ministering to them in the nation of Babylon. And... It says here, this verse 2, the people have been quoting this proverb. Proverb. Y'all there, verse 2? As I live, pardon me, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. See, they're, they're complaining. They're saying, this is not fair because I'm not the one that sinned. It was my father. So why am I in captivity when it was my grandpappy that did it? And they quote this proverb, and write in your notes, yes, the parent's sin does affect the children, and from one generation's evil can affect the life of the next generation. That's true. And some of you, or I should say some of us, I would say many of us, 
all of us have experienced dysfunction in our families that has affected us. Some of us have experienced more dysfunction than others. And I don't want to belittle that. You went through things. Come on, maybe your parents were foolish and ungodly. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they were even demonically inspired. I don't know what you went through. As horrible as it is, I, I'm going to bring you good news by the end of tonight. This parent sin does affect us. I, 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 I see propensities from my own life and my children. Watching them challenged with some of the things that I was challenged. It was sort of imparted to them. Sorry. Did the best we could. We're still doing the best we can. Come on, someone say amen. To the exiles, they saw God as being unjust. Right in your notes. So they saw this is unjust. This is not right. God, you have absolute, this is not right. It's not fair. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, no kidding. We used to teach our kids, would you like, would you like, would you like fair? Would you like justice? I remember hearing years ago uh, someone complaining, I think it was me, about how it wasn't fair and God, you know, God, why don't, and somebody said, let, let me just tell you something, Bracken, and let me tell you what you deserve. You deserve death, so you should probably shut your mouth. I'm like, good point. But the exiles saw God as being unjust because the present generation was having to suffer for the sins of a previous generation. And that's why they're quoting this proverb. And uh, to give understanding, this conjunction right here, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and, everybody know what a conjunction is? Conjunction, junction, what's your funk? Oh, you're also over 50. Right, <laughs> amen. Right? Conjunction. This conjunction and can be and in Hebrew or but. It's either one. It's and or but. So let's read this differently. The father's grapes, the father have eaten sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. I think that might be a better translation given the entire context of what Israel's been saying. And this word of the Lord comes from the prophet because they'll be like, man, this is not fair. I know they sinned, but I didn't do anything. Our fathers have eaten sour grapes, but our teeth are set on it. You understand it's different. It's a different way to look at that. And God says, stop it. God says, don't quote that proverb because it's not true. And he goes on to tell them that every person belongs to God. And the soul that sinneth shall die. That is a profound revelation. The soul that sinneth shall die. And he goes on to list, and I, I read these verses 10 through 13. He goes on to list the person who does righteousness, does whatever, the person who lives righteously will be righteous and will basically live. But if a righteous man has an un, unrighteous son, and that unrighteous son does unrighteous deeds, hence making him unrighteous, he'll be put to death. So even though you have a father that lives righteous, his son, if he lives unrighteous, death. If the father lives unrighteous, death. And then it goes on, and you can read through these notes. It gives every combination of that. So not just the son. So if the son is wicked, death. But if he has a son and his, his son, which is the father's grandson, raise your hand if you're tracking with me. The, the grandson sees his father and how he was in sin. He says, oh, no, I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm, then God will bless him, and he will Live. He has a choice to choose life or choose 
death. And the second question that's on the mind of the Jewish exiles is why does the son not why does the son not share in the guilt of his father? You have to understand. Uh, in fact, I taught on it. I, I taught on it. Corporate sin. Corporate sin. Corporate sin is a real thing. What do you mean by that? When, you, when, when Achan sinned, we'll go to the valley of Achor. When Achan sinned, he brought sin on everybody. That's crazy. I wouldn't want to be partnered with that knucklehead. And yet, if you're unequally yoked and you partner with somebody, who, how many of you know that that can get up on you? It's like a secondhand smoke. It can be a defilement. It can be things in your life where you partner with somebody that can become part of your life as a corporate understanding and bring actually sin into the camp. It happens in churches. That Listen, all of the folks that were on the worship team, they all tithe. And if you don't, you best resign right away. I ain't joking. And the reason is, well, how, could, how can you do that? Listen, if you're here in the congregation, you don't tithe. That's, if you want to stay broken and busted and sick all your life, that's up to you. I'm going to keep teaching and preaching, but it's up to you to obey. Once you come on my team, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to have you sign, and we're going to, yep, I, I'm a tither. You say, why is that? Because I cannot, I will not, we will not have sin in the camp. And, that's, and when corporate formal members, formal members, we ask them to tithe. Why? Because if you're not tithing, do you understand what I'm saying? It brings corporate sin. Now, that's just one example. Corporate sin was a real thing. But Ezekiel here shows the heart of God that it wasn't God's desire for them to die. Listen, newsflash. God is not trying to beat you up. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to get something to you, not get something from you. Actually, he's trying to get you to live righteously so he can pour out his blessing on you. Can you say amen? The same principle exists here. This, the soul that sins is the one who will die. And the point that God's making is this. You are responsible for your own life. You're responsible for your own life. And as you raise your children, you must teach them that they are responsible for their own lives. You say, but you don't know what I went through. No, I don't, and I don't want to make fun of it. Honestly, I've been pastoring long enough to say that I think I've probably heard just about everything. Oh, yeah. Atrocities. Horrible, heinous, evil. Evil. I have pastored long enough to hear many, many things that are absolutely evil. But don't let the thing of evil that happened to you in your home define you. Don't let that thing make you something that God's not intended. God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available on the inside of you. You don't have to stay broken. You don't have to be twisted. You don't have to live a life of torment. Just because your daddy did it doesn't mean that you're going to do it and your kid's going to do it. You can be free. Can you say amen? That is God's will. We don't believe in... My, my, my friend, uh, Chris Ekstrom, God bless him. He might be online. Love you, bro. In high school, he used to say this to me. Amor fati, bracket, amor fati. I'm like, right. I don't even know what that meant. It's Latin. Does anybody know what that means? Amor fati means the love of fate. Fate is that, that it's already marked out and it's going to happen for you. We don't believe that. We don't believe in fate that, that it's just going to happen because you have a thing called the ability to choose. What about predestination? I know. 
I know I don't understand all of that. The free will of man and the sovereignty of God and all of that, I don't know. I mean, when I was younger, I leaned more to the free will of man. But the older I get, I realize I have a choice in it, yet at the same time, I'm finding myself swept up by a river of the prayers of of those who've gone before me. I'm finding myself supernaturally put in places that, like, I didn't choose it. It was like, bam, he just kind of did it. Come on, it's amazing, the blessing of God. The point is that God makes each person responsible for themselves. I know, glory, but then you're like, oh, wow, what? Yeah. A wicked man can turn from his wickedness and be righteous and live because God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. The raging Cajun, what's his name? Jesse Duplantis has a message that he preached. You can go look it up. It is a great word. What in hell would you want? In other words, there's nothing in hell that you would want. And you want to go to hell, that's up to you. And believe me, when you, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to say, no, I understand it was your father. You get a pass. Just go in. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you will stand all by yourself to give an account for your life. And either you'll be covered in the blood or you won't be. And if, you're not, if you are not covered, if your sins are not covered, atoned for, paid for, come on then your sins remain. And you can blame your mom. You can blame the fact that you weren't breastfed. You can blame, you can blame your daddy. You can, you, can, you can blame the government. You can say, well, I lived in some other country. You can, you can say whatever you want to. All, all excuses will fall flat on the day before the, before the Lord. All of them. You don't know. No, yes, he does. Yes, he knows. Come on, so look at your neighbor and say, He knows. He knows. He knows everything. And the level of godliness that you have is what you do in the dark when nobody will catch you. Look at your neighbor and say, whoa, well, praise the Lord. All right. The righteous man will become wicked if he turns away from his righteousness. Verse 24. All right, look at E. Exiles accuse God of being unjust, but the real problem is they're unjust. And they're blaming their situation on God. But in fact, they're the ones that chose to sin. And they're experiencing the result of it. And God calls them to repent and live. For God will judge every person according to their ways. Now we are going to get up into your business right now. God is speaking to us. What What a passage of scripture. Here's the application. We must make a choice. Will you serve God or will you serve yourself? Which one are you going to, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve yourself? A lot of people give God lip service, but what you do is actually what you believe. You cannot separate your actions from your actual belief system. What you really believe is what you do. So in other words, if you really believe God's word is powerful and life-changing, then you probably read it today. Okay, maybe you got busy. I don't want to be all legalistic and anything, but, but I mean, maybe you didn't read it. I do believe in reading the word every day. I, I just, you know. You know, we were in morning prayer, and we read Romans 12. It was like every, it was like every verse was a sermon. 
I know some of you were there. I mean, like, I'm like, whoa, whoa, hey, another one, whoa, God. I mean, it's just going right down the line. And one of them really jumped off the page. It was Rhema to me. I mean, the whole thing was Rhema to me. And it was one particular section. I was just like, whoa. I mean, I really was convicted that I wasn't actually doing that. And I repented. And then later on, I got a phone call and I got to apply that. I, when I got the phone call, I realized this is the scripture. This is the moment. This is it. And I'm on the phone, and I happen to be FaceTiming with my daughter. And uh, she was, you know, waiting for me. And she was like, bye, Dad, after I, I, she realized I'm not getting off the other call because I was going to follow through and be obedient to the word that I heard. I believe the word's important. Come on, what you believe is what you do. If, you're, if you believe the prayer is important, then you have a prayer life. We've got to choose to serve God or yourself. You take to make the choice. Be righteous or unrighteous. Which one are you? Are you righteous or unrighteous? Are you going to be moral or are you going to be immoral? These are all choices. There's no, there's no such thing as fatalism. Eastern thought teaches that, well, you know, there's no God. He didn't create, you know, everything's depending upon what you believe. How many of you ever heard that hogwash? As long as you believe long as you believe, don't matter what you believe, long as you believe. C.S. Lewis does a great job of destroying that. And uh, he uses, uh, you should read the uh, Mere Christianity will help you to think critically. Most people do not think critically. They don't know how to think critically, so they just swallow it all. Is that the red pill or the blue pill? Morpheus. He uses this illustration. If you believe, and this destroys, whatever you believe is fine. As long as you believe it, that's fine. That's your personal truth. And then I can believe my own personal truth, and then it's all good in the hood, right? No. It's not true. And he uses this illustration to say, well, I feel like I want to pour boiling water on Minister Haggerty. That's my belief that that's good for me. I would like to do that. Are you down? Oh. You don't think my belief's good? No. No, no why wouldn't that? Because, because it would burn him. And like, that's not good. See, we don't even believe that. So if you think that as long as, is it okay for... Listen, what you believe, listen, we are not, man is not the measure of all things. God's word is the measure of all things. So even though man says, yes, we can murder babies, God's word says clearly you can't. So you can't, you can't be an abortionist and then say you love God. And if I've offended you, Merry Christmas. You can't do that. It doesn't work. God's word, it's, it's the worship. Well, it's, it's what's right for the, 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 the mother. Oh, so the, 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 the rights of the mother, if she wants to be selfish and to kill another life, then it's okay. No, he said, well, there's all kinds of variables, Pastor. I know it. I don't want to get all into that. But you can't do dismembering of human beings and not get judgment for it. You just can't do it. You can't. That's why I'll just, probably getting a little political, which I said recently I wasn't going to do again, but I guess I'm going to break that. The main points for me when I vote for somebody are really clear. It's not red and yellow, black and white. It has nothing to do with whether a Democrat or Republican or an independent. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do, are you an abortionist or not? Where do you stand on same-sex marriage? 
It's not, listen, our economy, our economy will turn around when we live, come on, if there's righteousness in the righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. All right, I, I got to move on. You can't continue to blame others for your problems. Look at three. Every generational curse. This is important now. Please. It's all important, but listen up. Every generational curse is a propensity. It's a weakness in your, in your bloodline through sin. What are you saying? I'm saying that if your father sinned, listen, this is in the Ten Commandments, right? The, the sins of the fathers will be passed down to the third and the fourth generation. So that means if your father sinned, what, I mean, what sin could we pick out? Let's say alcoholism is perfect. Thank you, wherever that came from. Alcoholism. You, secular studies, because some, some of you want to see the science. Listen, <laughs> don't define God's word by science. It's the other way around. The, the, the God's word said it, the, the earth was round way before they even figured it out. And those who say it's flat are completely uneducated. So, Come on. <laughs> it's 820. Look at your neighbor and say, woo, good to be in church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a flat worldly. You're a flat header is what you are, a flat head. Okay. God love you. Amen. I don't think that particular truth will take you to hell, but there are other, other lies that will. Generational sin. So let's say, and this is a secular study, a mother that's an alcoholic. Uh, in fact, they've showed it this way. Uh, in families that the, the firstborn child is a female and she becomes an alcoholic, they have actually traced patterns then of firstborn women in families, generational lines down the tree. You understand? Future, gener not future generations, but next generations that the firstborn females have struggled with alcoholism. You say, is that a coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence. It's generational sin. So what about, what about lust and pornography or greed and, and anger? What about all that? What about all that? I'm, I am clearly, I am aware of the propensities that have been passed down to me. What do you mean propensity? If, how many, is there anybody here that's ever shot a bow and arrow? You ever shot an arrow? Your arrow best be straight. Am I, am I right with that? Has anybody shot a bent arrow? It doesn't go straight. If I was to have a, 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 a woman stand here and she's pregnant with a girl, track with me now. So let's say there's a female standing here and she's pregnant with a, with a girl. And you would then bring that mother and then baby, soon to be born, a baby girl, and give them an x-ray. You would never do that. Right? You'll do, you'll do, you'll do a, a sonogram, but you're not going to do an x-ray x-ray. Why? Because you're putting radiation on the mother, and you're putting radiation on the baby. The baby's a girl. How many of you know your biology? Women only have a certain amount of eggs, you understand. So really what's happened is that x-ray has gone through that mother who's ready to give birth to a baby girl, and the x-ray goes through that little baby girl, and the x-ray goes through the eggs that the little girl is carrying that are the future generations. That is a picture of generational sin. Yeah. 
That's a picture of it. So when, there's, when, you, when you do evil in your home and you think it's just you, that opens the, the power of darkness to have access to your life and then actually goes down generations unless you learn how to break it and walk out of it. I mean, I've had people, we've had people come to the pulpit here and say generational sin is completely broken once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And my, 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 I don't say that. It is true that he became a curse for us. Please track with me before you think I just said some heretical thing. Heresy. I've thought long and hard about this. And, and I've studied it. And then I have my own life that, that matches up. So yes, I had generational iniquity when I get generational sin, generational propensity, a bent arrow towards certain areas in my life. Right? So then I get saved. I'm born again. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Are you all with me today? May I help somebody, somebody getting helped online. Come on, give a praise shout to God right in the middle. Come on, praise break. Come on, praise break. Somebody going to get free tonight. Hey, glory to God. So then I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It says in Galatians in chapter 3 that he became a curse for me that, that I might become the righteousness of God. No, I have to say that. Galatians 3, we'll go there. I can't paraphrase. I got to do it right. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. For as many are the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curse is anyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law and do them. So, have you done all the works of the law? No. Read my white lips. No, you haven't. The truth is, the law has shown you that you can't do it. It exposes the fact and defines the fact that you're a sinner. You're a sinner. We have sin. And he goes on to say, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us, purchased us back from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As written, curses he who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Here's the thing. Righteousness has been appropriated to you, but you need to walk in it. So the curse is, is broken potentially, but if you continue in to yield to the bend of the arrow, then you're going to end up cursed, honey. Oh, no, I'm not cursed. I'm under the blood. Well, I hope you are under the blood. You can say you're under the blood as much as you want. Look at all the pornography that you like all day, and you're under the curse, Bubba. What? Come on, isn't it fun to be in church on a Wednesday night? Every generational curse, and a curse is a propensity and weakness, and as you yield to that, then you'll repeat that pattern in your generations, in the generations to come. Listen, I'm just telling you, some of these propensities, I'm being transparent. There are certain things I yielded to in my younger years, and, and then it, it's patterned in my kids. Now, they're, they're overcoming it. Don't look at me like, oh, what was that? <laughs> what, what, what is it in your family? Quit looking at me. What, what's, the, what's the bent arrow in your family? Ooh. 
Okay, can be broken, but you've got to repent and you've got to trust in the Lord. Where one person does evil, it's like, the de- it's like the demonic then has rights to move down the line, but his power's broken by the blood and through proper living. It's under the blood, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. Not that part, it's not. All right. Everybody say, choose life. life. And then he goes on to destroy eternal security. Yeah, man. This is awesome right here. I got to back up and say, if your father or your mother was an alcoholic, don't touch it. Listen, I don't... I am, I am set in my resolve, and my, I am a, a man of conviction. I've got convictions. I don't violate them. You'll never hear a, an accusation coming about me that, that I was riding with some beautiful young lady in the car. If that happened, that, then you all know it was my wife or my daughter. I just saw Pastor this beautiful young girl. Well, it was probably Hannah or Karen, because it ain't you. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> Why not? Because uh, I'm not giving you a ride. I love you. We'll get you a ride. We'll call you a, a lift. We'll call you an Uber. We'll do whatever we can. If you're broken leg on the side of the road, we're going to get you help in the back of my truck. Right now. We're put you in the back of the truck. We'll give you a ride. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, what do you say? What is your point? The point is I'll never be accused. I will never even have an accusation because I've got conviction about it. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I think down my generational lines there were as adulterers. I'm not, listen, and I've got no temptation at all. Zero. Hey, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my, hallelujah. But the enemy will try to get you through this generation. You've got to be aware of what your propensities are and you build and guard against them hedges of protection, proper action. All right. Let's move on. Everybody say, choose life. life. And you can do that because of what Jesus has done. He overcame it all. All right, Ezekiel destroys the doctrine of eternal security. Once saved, always saved. And uh, also this hyper-gangrenous grace teaching. Neo-Calvinism is another name for it. So you, you know, gave your heart to Jesus 30 years ago, and you can live like the devil now because you have insurance. Let me really irritate you, oh, deceived one. Turn to John, 1 John. Turn to 1 John. Turn to 1 John and enjoy the word here. 1 John chapter 3. No, I, I gave my life to Jesus, so I, you know, I can just do whatever I want. It's my life, and I can do what I want. No, it's not your life, not if you really got saved, not if you're really born again. No, 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 it's not your life anymore. Your life is no longer your own. Some of y'all looking like you got baptized in lemon juice. This is really going to fix it right here. 1 John 3, verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, verse 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Who was manifested? Jesus. 
And then in him there is no sin. Verse six, whoever abides, that that's remains in or lives in, he's in us, we're in him. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Now that's talking like willful disobedience, does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. That means if you can, t- you can go to church until you look like a pew. You can say you're a Christian every, you, oh, come on. You can carry a Bible as big as a choke of moose and still not be born again. You must be born again. You gotta be saved. And when you're saved, you will not continue in your sin. You'll have a problem with it. It's not that you won't sin, but it'll just be like, oh, I gotta stop that. Oh God, you'll be, you'll be convicted. And then you'll get help. Or you'll go further on choosing. How can there, you know what the apostasy is? The great falling away. Does anybody know what that is? That's when a large portion of the church, without getting in too much eschatology and calling on Dr. Haggerty, it's when a large portion of the church, the elect, they fall away. They turn their back from the falling away means they're no longer walking with the Lord. So if you're no longer walking with the Lord, you're walking with someone else. You've, you, there's, there's a blotting out of your name in the Lamb's book of life. You say, Pastor, you're freaking me out. Good, I'm, I hope this ought to stir you to live right. How can you have an apostasy? You gotta, first of all, you've got to have a great in-gathering. And then there, how can there be a great falling away unless there's a great in-gathering, right? So there's a falling away if a man continues. Encourage one another daily, Hebrews. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today and see that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the Lord. Then I had some guy argue with me and say, well, which sin is it? So if I lust after the girl on the bike and then I'm going to fall away? I don't think it's like that. I think it's a gradual turning away. Then again, I'm not sure. Best not look at the girl on the bike. I don't think it's a light switch. I think it's a cooling, and then before you know it. And I've had that, but you know, early on in my life. My mom doesn't like me to share these stories, but, I'm, but it helps people, Mom. Early on in my life, I gave my life to the Lord. I, I, I was broken. And so it took me like three years to like really like walk with the Lord. I remember being so on fire, writing a letter to my dad. I'm done with smooth knees and prayerless life. I'm going to give my life to the nations. I mean, this incredible prophetic letter I wrote to my father. Then I totally turned away from the Lord, cursed him, rejected him. And my father came to visit me in a mental hospital. Don't worry, it, was, it wasn't six months ago. comes to visit me and you know they they bring me out of the back and they put me in a little room with my dad he says yeah I just want to read you a letter that you wrote me I said okay opens up this letter and he begins to read this fiery the letter from the throne man I'm talking fire conviction and the word of God he reads it through with tears in his eyes he says what happened to him I was just like bawling. I've totally turned. I totally turned from the Lord. Now, I, in that moment, in that, in that moment in my, in my sin, in my darkness, if I died in that moment, would I have gone to heaven? I'm not sure of that. 
Listen, understand this. You are given but one life to live and after that the judgment. And this brief moment of life, this is probably in my notes later on, but I'm stirred right now. This brief moment of life. You say, well, I'm not ready to come to Jesus. Yeah, to be sure, the devil makes sure you ain't ever ready. You don't know when your life is over. The reason Satan can't repent and that the fallen angels that turned away can't repent because decisions made in eternity are forever. You and I are in a bubble called time and there will come a time when time is no more and it will all roll up like a scroll and wherever you are in your walk with God, whatever decision you made with him is set. So if in that point you have turned from him or cooled and you're then living for, for your own flesh, your own self, you've given in and caved into the God of this age and then you die, which you don't know when that is you have no promise of heaven now I believe in the grace of God and I stand on it for those who've taken their lives and different ones who struggle with things or suddenly were dead I mean I I I I mean I God's merciful and gracious but I'm gonna tell you you don't want to play Russian roulette with your soul Woo! so Verse 8 of John, 1 John 3, he who sins is of the devil. And the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, and his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Listen, you activate repentance, pardon me, you activate grace through repentance. So just because you prayed and repented 30 years ago, Slim, doesn't mean it all good right now. You can get really legalistic with this, and I, I, I don't believe in legalism either. You can't obey all the law. That's why he died for you. But you must stay in a place of grace and ongoing repentance and abiding in him in order to keep yourself from it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it destroys this hyper-Calvinism thing. Eternity's outside this bubble. When you die, whatever decision you've made for the Lord and how you've lived for him, that'll be it. If you've not made your life right with God, tonight might be a good night to do it. That brings us to God is not whimsical or capricious. His kingdom has rules. There are rules. There are rules in the kingdom. He has a right way of doing things. His word is truth. It's not, it's, ab, it's what we would say, uh, theologians would say, absolute truth. It's not one of many truths. It is the truth, inerrant. There is no error in it. And if you say, no, it contradicts itself all the way, you're just proving your own ignorance and lack of education. That's all you're doing. So if you just, like, just put that aside and realize that you're holding on to that so that you can go ahead and do your own sin and really do, try to create this belief system that it's not God's word, and then you can do your own thing. But if it really is God's word, then we're all accountable for it. There really is right, and there really is wrong. And all the world through media and, and antichrist spirit, Hitler. Come on, Hitler got a whole nation to believe that Jews were useless eaters. He got them to believe that. He just rammed it down their throats. So he who yells the loudest and the longest seems to win these days. So that's why you can have, you know, full-term abortions. 
because someone's declaring and shouting loud enough and getting political clout and money behind it to say it's an antichrist spirit. Babies being sacrificed to Molech. I've sat with people who've aborted children and they cry and they cry and they cry and it is one of the most destructive things. It's murder. And no matter what kind of whitewashing and justification, you still have a person who knows they killed another person and it, there's no consoling that. You say, well, I don't know about that. That's because you haven't counseled hundreds of people and you're just making up something to maybe protect yourself from your own painful situation. The person who sins, do I need to, do I need to fix that at all? Is that all right? Thanks. Well, I, I, I don't want to hurt anybody. Oh, but I want to hurt sin real bad in you. And I want the truth to trumpet from this place. I want the truth of God's word to blast across the nations of the earth. That people would find freedom and power. The truth will set you free. But if you don't know the truth, then you won't be free, period. The person who sins will die for his own sin. The righteous live righteously. We'll be held accountable for our, for our ways we've treated others. That's what the text is talking about. The past that you've been through doesn't necessarily predict your future, but you're going to have to get healed of stuff. God is a God of life. He doesn't want any to perish. Can I have keys, please? Just keys. Judgment day is real. I would rather... I would rather have him judge me now and tell me what's messed up right now so that I can fix it through repentance and through, through right behavior. Listen, understanding that there's a judgment, the revelation that there's a judgment day, let me tell you what that, some of what that means. Means that every one of us here, if we're all gonna be judged, every one of us here can live right. Because God is a God of justice, righteousness and truth at the foundations of his throne. So if, if we're going to stand before him on the judgment seat of Christ, first of all, the blood is the only thing that can cleanse you from your, from your sin. That's it. There isn't anything else. But even in the cleansing of, of his blood, then there's a lived out righteousness that then takes place. And the judgment seat of Christ, there's a, there, if you don't have the blood, then you're, you're sent basically to a, a place called hell, the second death, the lake of fire. That's, that's where you go. But if you have received Jesus, you're still going to give an account for how you lived your life. And you know what I was so encouraged by as I was praying? I'm not going to be held to the standard of someone else. I don't have the gifts you have. You don't have the gifts I have. Do you know you will be judged based upon what you did with your gifts, your talent, what you did with your time, your treasure, you'll be judged. And it says that some will suffer loss. 
Oh, and then there's rewards, Brother Scott. There's rewards, crowns and stuff. Let no man steal your crown. What is that? That means that, that God sees when you turned the other cheek. God sees when you overcame your flesh. God sees when you, when you went the extra mile, when you, when you gave and you, you gave alms to somebody and helped somebody who was poor or broken or halt or withered. God sees when you did that thing when nobody else saw it, but you did it. Or even the things in the way that you live now and people do see it. He sees it. And He rewards you. Not so you can walk around with like this giant trophy Ah, yes, more than a conqueror. It's a reward. I don't understand what that is. And then though some will suffer loss and things are burned up, but what remains is that of eternity. There's a judgment. You are going to go before the judgment seat. Some of you soon. What do you mean? I'm just I'm just statistically under there, there. There's hundreds of people that listen to this thing online. So the odds are, you know, in the next six months, somebody's going to die that's listening to what I'm saying right now. The revelation that there's a judgment seat makes every second of your life count. It makes every second count. Everyone. This one, this one. When you're texting and not listening to anything I'm saying, yeah, this one. It's real. So we live your life in light of that. Live your life in light of God's judgment bless you. Real hope comes from making people conscious of their sin and the fact that God is merciful if they but repent. Ezekiel, give us a new heart. Yes, he's talking to Israel, but he's talking to us, if you will, as Christians, grafted in, Gentiles grafted in. He's talking to us to say that no matter what your father did or your mother did, there's not going to be an excuse before the throne. There, there can be none because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Heavy word. Powerful word. Hey! One of the things I'm moved by is this talking about families. A father, son, grandson. Having just come from, from Maui and then my own experience here as well, I, I went to go visit some dear friends of ours who were one of our first, was our first life group home as a married couple. And I had not been back there for many years. I don't know how long. We get back to the house. Everything is identical. It's like, I don't know if you have the, you had the joy of going to grandma's house. You know, when you go to, it has that smell and like everything's the same. Is anybody, you know, those are memories that are not so much existent anymore because people are let go in their family homes and they're, there's not so much a continuity of life. The people move like 15 times. These folks have lived there since you know, 1981 or something. I sat in the same chair that I taught the Bible. I saw where my little daughter was just like this big. So cute. 
When I walk in, the man that was there, that his name is Don. <laughs> it was awesome. He's, he's not a real emotional guy. He's very um, matter of fact. And, you know, you might be crying in a movie. just be like, wonder why you're crying. Does anybody, anybody else know? That, that's not me. I like wear my emotions on my own sleeve. But. So when Don sees me, he's just eyes filled with tears. I mean, he's, he's moved. He's like, wow, you know, it's you. And I said, like, man, God's good. He's like, it's amazing. And he's, he's undone. This is Don undone. A normal person would be like snot running and then he can still talk. And he, and he, reaches, he reaches his hand out and I, and I take his hand and he's sitting and he's, he's an older man. He's holding my hand and he says, what God's doing in Alaska? It's amazing. I'm like, I know. I'm crying. He's crying. He says, and you have like no skills. I'm like, I know it, right? Oh, sorry. That's not what he said. Let me get it right. You have, he says, it's amazing. And you have like no qualifications. And I, not skills, but qualifications. I start, I, the joy of the Lord hit me. I started laughing. I go, man, that is so true. Oh my God. Thank you, God. Oh, I walked around just going, oh God. Listen, all of us need God. Your family needs God. Your sons and daughters need God. Your marriage needs God. It's about families. It's about raising up a godly generation to take this nation back for Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, it's not going to happen by some half-hearted, half-witted, lackadaisical, prayerless mixture of, of, of faith. It's, it's going to happen by the truth of God's Word being preached and taught and lived from one generation to the next. We can take this nation back. We can. Come on, stand up on your feet. We can take this nation back. We can. But we've got to see a people that rise with a new heart and a new spirit. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and call on His name tonight. If you've got children with you, why don't you just get them, get them near you? Come on, get, get together in families. And if you don't, just, just stand with them by faith. Mama, come around here. Because how you live will affect your entire family. And you say, what have I blown it, Pastor? What have I blown it? Repent for the love of God and plead the blood of Jesus and live righteously now. He said, well, I've done it for you. If you're a grandmother or a grandfather and you've blown it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get healed and start living and modeling what it is to be someone who's a Christian, which means Christ-like. And, and be set free from the yoke and the bondage of sin. Come on, just begin to pray for your family. Come on, pray for your family. Father, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my mother. I thank you, Lord, for my father. I thank you for the godly heritage that was as good and right and pure and just has been passed down. Come on, pray for your sons and daughters. Pray for your marriages. Pray a blessing on your, on your parents. Lord, bless my wife. Bless my daughter. And tonight, in Jesus' name, Pray some portion of this. Catch it. In the name of Jesus, I break every curse off of my family line. I break every assignment, every propensity. I plead the blood. Come on, pray. 
I plead the blood. I break off greed. Lord, we break off anger. Lord, we break off lust. God, we break off addiction off of these next generations in Jesus' name. We break it off of ourselves. We declare the blood of Jesus. Oh, Georgie, we break the hold of sin and death. And Lord, I pray that not only in that prayer, come on, if you haven't prayed that, pray it again. Here, just listen to me for a second. All eyes, stop praying. Look at me. Some half-hearted, cute little prayer ain't breaking nothing. The devil will try to intimidate you. Understand who you are. You are the redeemed of the Lord. And Jesus isn't going to come and die on a cross again. He already did. You stand in that place, washed in the blood, boldly declaring, I am worthy because of what Jesus has done. My sin is atoned for. I stand before the throne of God now. And then the thoughts will come, yeah, but you you ate a salad on your 21 days. Shut up. Shake that off. And by the authority of the name of Jesus, as a priest over my life and over, over my household, I break the hold of sin. I break that thing now. Come on, you pray like that. Not, oh God, if it be your will, won't you please? That is not going to get anything broken. Come on, get rid of the sissified prayer life and get some boldness in God. In the name of Jesus, every curse is broken. Every curse is broken. Everyone. Everyone. Come on, we declare, we speak the blessing of God. Say it over your family. We speak the blessing. Because I serve God, my kids will be blessed. Maybe your parents serve God. Maybe your grandparents serve God. The blessing of the Lord goes down even to a thousand generations. Lord, we declare that tonight. Come on. Now, one more thing. You have to live right. You can pray all those prayers and live like the devil and it means nothing. I don't care how fervently you prayed. You go out of this place and go right back to your your porn on your phone. Children's church is upstairs, Jack. You go right back to your gambling. You go right back to your adultery. You will open the door. I bet it would be better you never heard a message like this. Listen, I, I've said, I, I can't say with absolute certainty, but I'm pretty sure I've seen people die outside their time because they did not discern the things of the Lord and treated it like it was nothing. God's presence is here. You make a real commitment to Him. If you've never given your heart to Jesus with every head bowed, every eye closed, or maybe you need to recommit because you drifted. You're not as on fire as you used to be, and you know it, so you want to come back to God. Come on. Jesus never castigated anybody because they had devils or they weren't right. He just gave opportunity. Come on. Come on right now all across this place. Those online, just a few more moments, this service is over. You're not right with God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You want to be included in this prayer to give your life to Jesus for the first time or you want to recommit to God because you've drifted. You're not as on fire. You want to come back to Jesus. On the count of three, every head bowed, every eye closed, those online, those here. On the count of three, slip your hand up if you want to pray that prayer. One, two, 
Three, do it right now. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Come on, raise your hand high. Yep, yes, yes, sir. I see that hand, yes, ma'am, yes. I see that hand, sweetheart. I see that hand, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. I see that hand all the way in the back. God bless you. Anybody else? You say, why do I lift my hand? Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father, which is in heaven. If you deny me, I will deny you. That's all it is. We're just acknowledging. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Pray this prayer right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me and make me new. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Fill me with a hunger for your word and a hunger for the things of the kingdom. I receive your forgiveness. Fill me with your spirit. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Holy Spirit, fill now. Come on, some of you need to forgive. Some of you need to forgive. Just forgive that person. Jesus died for that too. You don't know what they did. No, Jesus died for that. So you can apply that, appropriate his grace. Lord, thank you. And now we declare God. Come on, you just pray whatever combination of this. We declare that we will live righteously before you. By your power, it takes you to live for you, God. It takes God to live for God. But by the power of the Spirit, we will live out our lives in dedication to your word. That we would live righteously. We will speak righteously. We will vote righteously. We will do right things. And Lord, that we'll be convicted when we step out of line. Lord, make us slow to speak and quick to listen slow to wrath. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you. Make us a people that live an ongoing lifestyle of repentance and that you would bring us into deeper and deeper realms and levels of sanctification that's being more and more like Jesus. Make us like you. Come on, pray that prayer. Make me like you, God. Release healing. There's a number of people here that went through great abuse. I won't call you up, but I break the hold of that thing now in Jesus' name. I break the cords of sin. I break every chain. I speak to the place of abuse, and I say, be healed, be cleansed. It wasn't your fault. Jesus has made a way for you now out of that by his blood. He's made a way, a new and living way. God's touching people's physical bodies tonight. You need healing. There's healing right there. Right there. Be healed. Shoulders being healed. Hips being healed. The Lord's working on people's organs. I see kidneys being healed. Livers. I see heart condition. There's a heart condition. God will give you a, take out the heart of stone. He puts in a heart of flesh. I'll, I'll, I'll pray that for heart condition. Be healed. Bro healer of the broken heart. Be healed. Those who are 
caught in a cycle of captivity. There's a number of people here because of generational iniquity. There's like a cycle of captivity. Come on, just break that. What do you mean? I mean maybe relationally or emotionally, certain cycles you go through of depression during the year or cycles financially. Break that thing in Jesus' name. I break a spirit of poverty. I break off, Lord, relational dysfunction and every curse. In the name of Jesus, Lord, every propensity. Release your healing touch. Release your healing power. I declare freedom. Freedom to each and every one. God, I thank you. And I praise you. Put your best hand clap together for Jesus. Come on. Yes. Glory to God. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.